Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name's Ned Jabbar. So uh, we are still in the first week of Lent, and we're going to do the readings for Wednesday of the first week of Lent of 2021. So this is going to be episode 65, and it's going to be for Wednesday of the first week of Lent. So if you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. So once again, my name is Ned Jabbar, and this is The Informed Catholic. And this is going to be episode 65. And we're going to do the readings for Wednesday of the first week of Lent. All right, so let's begin an act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on, on us and forgive us all our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All right, uh, there's only one thing I want to clear up first before we go into the readings of... Um, uh, for today, uh, I want to go back a little bit to uh, Matthew's Gospel, um, chapter 6, verse 7 to 15, where um, I didn't get to finish everything. I rushed ahead and I apologize. It was pointed out to me that I didn't finish the entire uh, interpretation. So um, <clears throat> the part where I, I stopped at really at the... Uh, the daily bread. Um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, that's something we have to do because I said because of our neighbor. And because one of the important things, you don't forgive just for the sake of that person. Because there are people who may come to you that will not ask for forgiveness and don't believe they've done wrong. They've done, they've done you wrong. All right? <clears throat> Which is true. I've, I mean... We're going to, we do get that. I mean, and we feel uh, cheated and we feel violated. And sometimes we, we, we're made fools of because people, either their relative or their friends or their people at work, we're going to get people that don't care and they're not going to ask for forgiveness. And, it, and the problem is what it does is you don't want it to make you bitter. Bitter. So much so that it it makes you a hardened person. People, you're going to get people that are going to treat you badly. And you're going to get people who do not think they've done wrong. Family, friends, loved ones. And sometimes you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to feel like you've been used. 
It happens. It happens. So the important thing is you forgive for your sake. It's not easy. It's easier said than done. That's why it takes prayer. And it takes prayer. And also you have to step back and you have to look at yourself and look at the situation. Now, maybe in some cases it will examine us and maybe we might be hard on ourselves. But remember, it's a learning. It's a learning lesson. Um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It could be also a test to, like I said, God wants God not to prove us, to prove us we're wrong, but to strengthen us. And we learn our lessons from this. We, you know, we have to be careful in our relationships. Even among fellow Christians, you got to be careful because sometimes it could lead to temptation. It could lead to sin. And, and it's true. It happens. Uh, and then we want to justify ourselves. We want to justify ourselves of how we feel. and We want to justify ourselves in our actions. And we begin to think everybody else around us is judgmental and they're just self-righteous people. And then you leave the faith. Now, Jesus says here in the last part, if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your heavenly father forgive your transgressions. In this case, it, this is a hard part. You forgive those who have been unjust to you and you feel have used you. But at the same time, you forgive for your own sake because if you carry bitterness and hatred and anger in you and you always, always, like for example, I know someone in my life who constantly holds on to the past and thinks everybody who has done her wrong is constantly thinking and believing that they are laughing. And I'm going to tell you right now, wicked Evil people do not waste their time. All right. They have other things in front of, and trust me, problems, their own personal problems, their own personal health problems, their own, their own personal tragedies apart from us will not make them waste their time with us. Will not make them waste their time thinking about us or thinking about how they hurt us. They're not going to waste their time. Now, they, you could pray for them and hope for a conversion, and that is up to the will of God. But if you constantly only think to yourself, these people are laughing at me, you, that is you coming up with an emotion and a feeling so that you can justify your hatred, justify your obsession. Do not waste your time that way. Learn from the bad events and then just move on and pray, pray for, for the grace to, to grow and pray for the grace to forget. It's a learning lesson. It's a learning lesson for us. God is always sending us things so that we can learn and we can learn from our past mistakes and forget it. You know, just forget, forget what people think. Don't think about what people think. People will think whatever they want to think and people will talk behind your back no matter what. And people will say, we'll come up with all kinds of fancy conclusions, whatever they want. 
Don't think about it. Just move on. Just move on and and learn from it. Move on and don't think about it. Be indifferent to 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 this embarrassing sad event. It's a dead corpse and leave it alone and just go on. I know it's hard. It is your sense of done, but a time will strengthen your will. Time will strengthen your your perseverance of it. And yeah, at times it'll come back and it'll bother you. But remember, don't let the devil use it as a weapon. All right, let's move on to our today's readings. We're in Wednesday. This I was only covering the last part of the uh, readings on Matthew. Okay, let's continue. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, the entrance antiphon here is from Psalm 25. Remember your compassion, O Lord, and your merciful love, for they are from of old. Let not our enemies exult over, over us. Redeem us, O God of Israel, from all our distress. Psalm 25, entrance antiphon. Remember your compassion, O Lord, and your merciful love, for they are from of old. Let not our enemies exult over us. Redeem us, O God of Israel, from all our distress. Okay, a reading from the book of the prophet Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. The Ninevites turned from their evil ways. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, set out for the great city of Nineveh, and announced to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk, announcing forty days more, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. Then he had his this proclaimed throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his noble, neither man nor beast, neither cattle nor sheep shall taste anything. They shall not eat, nor shall they drink water. Men, man and beast shall be covered with sackcloth and call loudly to God. Every man shall turn from his evil way and from the violence he has he has in hand. Who knows? God may relent and forgive and withhold his blazing wrath so that we shall not perish. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil ways, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's read it one more time. A reading from the book of the prophet Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, set out for the great city of Nineveh and announced to it the, mes the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's bidding. 
Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone about but a single day's walk, announcing forty days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people in Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the ashes. Then he had this proclaimed throughout Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, neither man nor beast, neither cattle nor sheep, shall taste anything. They shall not eat, nor shall they drink water. Men, man and beast shall be covered with sackcloth and call loudly to God. Every man shall turn from his evil way and from the violence he has, he has in hand. Who knows? God may relent and forgive and withhold his blazing wrath so that we shall not perish. When God saw it, by, saw by their actions how they turned from their evil ways, he repented of the evil he had th threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. This is going to be interesting. All right. The prophet or the book of the prophet Jonah. Uh, Jonah unfortunately gets a bad rap, unfortunately, because it's a, it's a very small book, but is also dismissed uh, far too easily, uh, I think, by uh, modern scholarship because they, they think it's an impossible story or impossible details to it because of... Um, the way it's written, it was probably it was written uh, probably during the days of Jeroboam the uh, the second, the king, uh, during before um, uh, Israel was finally taken away because the uh, Nineveh is modern day is found in modern day Iraq, Mosul, Mosul, uh, we know it today, Mosul. Uh, and it's, um, as some people pronounce it, and it basically, it's one of the oldest cities. Eventually, Nineveh was destroyed because you had the rise of Nebuchadnezzar. It was a, a kingdom by itself, and it was, uh, it had a lot of trade routes connected to Crete and other areas. Uh, and basically what happened was they came and they took people from the northern kingdom first and they took the Israelites away now Jonah comes along and it's almost like half a century the Nineveh Nineveh was was taking people you know captives and it, Israel is going through Israel this time was divided northern and southern kingdoms so there was a lot there was a lot going on and Jonah was uh, one of those pre uh, prophets sent to um, Assyria. If you look at the uh, the um, Great Adventure Bible timeline, 
Jonah is set with uh, the prophet Nome. The prophet Nome and him were sent to Assyria. Around just maybe half a century, this is like around the end of 2 Kings. The end of Second Kings and the end uh, and a part of Chronicles because Jonah is mentioned. Jonah was a real historical figure. His name appears several times. All right, so we know that he was real. Now the story, yeah, it's out there, but it's not. But but anything's possible. We know that the impossible is possible. So, um, in the, in this case, the other story that takes place right after Jonah is Tobit, the book of Tobit. Tobit makes references to Jonah's prophecy. Eventually, Nineveh will be destroyed, but it didn't get destroyed. The people repented in Jonah's lifetime. Why? Why did they get repent? Why do the people, why, why all of a sudden they took a, a Jewish prophet's warning in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Why did they believe him? And the answer to that is very simple. I think it's because of Jewish hostages, people who lived, who were taken as hostage from, from Israel like Tobit and had an effect on the people of Nineveh. Now, at the time of Tobit, you could say there was regime change, just like there was regime change in Egypt, right? The first king of Egypt, the first pharaoh who, who knew Joseph, was very receptive to Joseph and his, and his people. All right, very receptive, very receptive to the to to Joseph's piety. Uh, was very impressed with Joseph's his uh, gifts from God. Was very impressed, probably, with the Jewish people and their way of life. Maybe he was that great Antonachan who wanted to worship one God. Who knows? But the point is, the people of Nineveh did something unusual. Maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't completely unusual the idea of covering their uh, their head with ashes, but to respond to a prophet from another from another nation and another religion to to completely abandon their gods something is something else is going on there, and I think we have to look at the possibility of half of half a century of influence of Jewish captives who influ who their way their piety, their practice, their 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 family, th- they were living among them, working among them, started a life among them, were had their synagogues among them. It doesn't say it in the book, but we have to look at the fact that they were impressed. They they were impressed with these people. And then suddenly this man comes along, this prophet Right, who tried to, who hated them. He had a he had a, a a very strong prejudice bias against them. Tried to run away. 
took a wanted to take a boat to to possibly go to among the Greeks and stay there, right? And then what happened? What happened was a storm broke out, and these men thought that this guy was maybe the gods were angry with them, and they all did a little superstitious slot, but then eventually it seems like God can, can communicate even through the works of superstition. And Jonah had to admit, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm the one who brought the storm upon you. And he begged him to throw him aboard and, you know, and they, they, they offered a sacrifice and they threw him aboard. Jonah, of course, his um, ordeal was going to be far more. A super, uh, uh, possibly a whale, right? It says a great fish because they didn't know the difference back then. So the details are not important to them. Swallows him. And now we know through evidence that it's possible you could survive it. I guess if you didn't get torn to pieces, but there have been cases where men uh, have been found alive in a belly of a great whale that have been swallowed up. I'm sure they, according to, to some scientific study, they wouldn't have looked that great because of the digestive system. It would have been a slow torture. Well, who knows how Jonah looked, but possibly he did look that way. Um, and he went through the city. And eventually, the people believed him. The people took this seriously. Somehow they must have recognized the problems uh, in their city, the moral decay. And the influence of the Jewish captives among them would have had that effect. Now, it doesn't say that in the text, doesn't mention the Jewish captives, but they were obviously familiar with the prophet. They were familiar with Judaism. They knew who the Jewish people were. Jonah knew who they were. So much so that he didn't want, he wanted God to destroy them. He wanted God to bring their destruction. And, you know, so much so that he wanted to run off. And he was so embittered that he wanted to, he sat down on the hilltop watching, waiting for their destruction. And God had to tell him, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I'm the one who so who show who shows mercy, and I'm the one who shows judgment. You know, it's all there. It's all there. It's it's pretty much there. But we have to look at it. I mean, a people. This shows us that even a posit, that the people of God can have an effect on an immoral society. Positive effect on an immoral society. On a society that deserves destruction. The Ninevites were pagan. And they they probably had a very violent society. And then suddenly, you know, they bring these people captives from a foreign land like Israel. They bring them over. After some time, these people started their whole lives. They started business. They lived. They started their own synagogues there. Eventually, they were permitted to worship. And they were productive. But they were also, in a sense, very, uh, very, very pious. Very holy. They practiced their religion. 
It's obvious because Tobit, we see it in the book of Tobit, there were Jews among them. You know, at that time, Tobit's situation, it was harder to be a practicing Jew. But it, it seemed like for some time, there was a time when a leader, a ruler, decided to let the people practice their religion. Uh, it changed around Tobit's time. And we see this, we see this again in um, the book of Daniel, another exile book. Daniel himself, the people um, lived among the Babylonians. And uh, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was was harsher. He even threw the three young men into a, a prison where they could, uh, an oven where they could burn because they refused to bow down to a, a statue uh, either of him or something or another god. I think it was his image. And, um, you know, you see they survived the the burning furnace and they um, the people were left alone. They were able to worship for some time. In comes in the, uh, the Persians and the Persians, uh, Cyrus or Darius, the F Darius comes in and he makes, you know, he, he makes a promise. He allows them to, after uh, some ordeal, they were practicing their religion. You know, uh, the people were practicing their religion freely under, under this Persian king. So you see, it regime changes. Possibly, and it's hard for scholars because scholars think, you know, because they look at the story and it's a pious, holy story. It's a biblical story. And it sounds like it's, it sounds like a fantasy, an improbable, impossible thing to happen. But it did happen. Anything is possible. And the book of Tobit proves that. And God's mercy is possible. People repenting, a society that deserves destruction even our society can can be saved. We have abortion. We have this whole transgenderism. We have all kinds of crazy things going on. We deserve judgment. But it's possible for us to repent. It's possible for us to have a positive connection, uh, uh, contact with the people. And we can, you know, change a society. Through holy, holy prayer, through fasting, penance. And God will show his mercy to whom he wishes. All right, let's go on to the next. Let's go on to the psalm. All right, Psalm 51. This is a psalm we, um, we read during, uh, on Fridays, actually. Um, always during the week as an act of contrition. And the response is, a heart contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt and of my sin cleanse me. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. 
A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For you are not for you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My heart my sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. All right, let's read it one more time again. Psalm 51. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and of my sin, and of my sin, cleanse me. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. Okay, <clears throat> this is a very beautiful psalm, especially if you've fallen into mortal sin, especially if you feel, if you really believe you've done something wrong. It's a good psalm to read for for penance and it's a good psalm to memorize a good psalm to get familiar with it it's a very soothing psalm it's a very cleansing psalm if you read the whole psalm it's fantastic it's it's one of the most beautiful literatures in uh i think one of the beautiful things about the sacred scriptures this particular psalm just really it's moving it's beautiful prayer it's beautiful poetry it's a beautiful work of art all in one. It's beautiful literature. And it, it, the whole Bible proves it. I mean, it's the most remarkable thing about, um, about you know, the, the Jewish people. They were blessed with beautiful prophets and who could write beautifully. And think about how the fact that this, the, this, this particular, this book, this holy book of theirs has been translated in so many hundreds of different thousands of different languages and it's still with us this day it proves how god wants his word his word out to be to be it will go out and it will not come back like like the rain and snow it will achieve its goal it will water the soils it's beautiful it's a beautiful you know it's a beautiful psalm and it expresses what we just read in jonah and we're going to read see what was now is going to be in the gospel all right so let's move on to the gospel all right verse before the gospel is from joel even now says the lord return to me with your whole heart for i am gracious and merciful even now says the lord return to me with your whole heart for i am gracious and merciful even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, for I am gracious and merciful. Prophet Joel, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. 
Okay. And the reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Uh, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. Uh, reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, verse 29 to 32. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be, be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, she will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will rise with this generation and condemn it because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, verse 29 to 32. No sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became became uh, assigned to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the time, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she comes from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the, at the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11, 29 to 32. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them because she came she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will, will arise with this generation and condemn it because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Crowds gather around and they're listening. And Jesus said, this is an evil and wicked generation. An evil and wicked generation. But what does he mean by that? 
What does he mean by an evil, wicked generation? I mean, people are listening. People are coming around from as far off as Syria, Edomia, across the Jordan, all over Judea, all over from Galilee. And people will repent. People are repenting. People came to John the Baptist to repent their sins. But what does he mean by it? Well, maybe maybe the problem is some of them are going through the motions. Maybe some of them are going through it because that's what's expected of them. And the problem is maybe it's also the leadership. I mean, the Gospels don't go into detail of the corruption within the Pharisees, within the 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 Sadducees who ruled the temple. Uh, the Bible is, I mean, we know Herod. We know John the Baptist was murdered. We know afterward, we know the 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 violence committed against the early church. We know the the death of Stephen. We know that people all over were, you know, were pretty violent. I mean, people were well aware of what was going on. There was also revolutionaries going around. So, you know, people like Barabbas were going around. So the question is, Why? If people are listening and people people did believe in him, but then again, we got to look at the fact that people turned on him. Holy Week. He comes in riding on the donkey. People were cheering him. Before the, before the week ended, by the time Friday came around, Jesus was arrested. So this evil, this evil wicked generation is probably far more greater than all the repentance, than all the miracles. It's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. But he says it in, in the text, an evil, wicked generation. And he mentions the Queen of Sheba will rise up on the day of judgment and cast judgment on this generation. He mentions, he mentions that. You know, he mentions seeking a sign. But no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. So as far as I'm concerned, if Jesus mentions Jonah, then Jonah was real. Then regardless what the scholars say. Just as Jonah became the sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. To the generation of, of his time, well, can it be also a generation to us? You know, I mean, the word, it, it could be a very broad term. Um, at the judgment, the queen of the south will rise with the men of this generation. She's, about, I'm guessing he's talking about his generation and will cast judgment. And will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there's something greater than Solomon here. At the time, at the judgment of Nineveh, the men of Nineveh will rise with this generation and condemn it 
because at the preaching of Jonah, they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. So we, we unfortunately, our generation is slowly slipping away from faith. But there's also sign of other people growing in the faith. It's just ridiculous. It's just, you know, ridiculous when you see what's going on with us today, with the evil that's happening in our generation. I have to say it's really bad. But anything is possible. God can, can, can perform miracles. And we know that for a fact. He does perform miracles. So we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard, not looking for signs and wonders. We have to be on guard of, we have to really be familiar with the faith. If we're not familiar with the faith, we're not familiar with the scriptures. Um, I think, you know, I think we're going to be in trouble. I think we're already in trouble because I think the fact that everything is going on proves it. So let's pray that more conversions will happen. Let's pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Let's pray the Our Father, Hail Mary, and the Saint Michael prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. All right, folks. Uh, this is the uh, Wednesday reading. I'll be back with Thursdays. Okay? So God bless, and remember, just keep reading the passages of scriptures, and God will God will guide us uh, to holiness. God will, go, will guide us to grow even more. Amen. God bless.